Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. What's up, everybody? It's Come On, Set, the podcast with me, Ed Lover. You know, it's always brought to you by CigarsInternational.com, my good people over there for all your cigar needs. If you are a cigar aficionado like myself, make sure you go to CigarsInternational.com for everything that you need. They just sent me another box of the Avo Nicaraguan Box Press, which is one of my damn favorite cigars on the market right now. It's like smoking a slice of the heaven. Right there. So make sure that you, you know they go fast. So you make sure you go over there to cigarsinternational.com and get yours. And my good friends locally here in Atlanta at Nissan South in Morrow, 6889 Jonesboro Road. That's my man Chris White and the whole crew over there. Yeah, I don't know if y'all are, you know, some of y'all are fancy motherfuckers, but sometimes your kid might need a car or something like that. So you might want to go over there and get a car for your kid. And some of y'all, uh, a pay grade is way above mine, so uh, you might want to frown your face at that new Nissan 2017 Nissan Maxima, but that motherfucker go. I'm telling you, I have one, and it goes. So you make sure you check out Nissan South in uh, Morrow, 6889 Jonesboro Road. Today, I want to talk about, um, I have some guests in the building. We're going to talk about music festivals because they seem to be springing up all over the damn place, and they have one of the most successful music festivals. It's called the One Music Fest. I had an opportunity to be a part of it. It is absolutely one of the best music festivals that you can go to. Uh, A diverse, very diverse lineup of artists all the time. I mean, it brings music lovers of all ages together. Uh, Jay is here. Mo is here. Good morning, gentlemen, and thanks for being part of this uh, podcast. I appreciate it. I really do, man. man. Good morning. Yo, man, how do y'all find your way through all of these music festivals, that's question number one. And uh, question number two is, has that fire festival affected your brand? Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Because earlier this year, I was supposed to do this music festival in the Dominican Republic. It was called Musicomania. They booked me from last year to be a host of it. And uh, it was supposed to be in June of this year. Uh, June 22nd to the 26th, I believe it was supposed to be. They had the hotel, Hard Rock Hotel, locked down, everything locked down. And then the Fire Festival fiasco happened, and everybody pulled out. Mm. Like, they sold tickets. They had to give refunds. And people was like, well, no, not fucking with that, because it was new. Right. You know, and how long have you guys been doing One Music Fest? Eight years. Eight yeah. Years. So how, has that has the, the that fucked up shit affected yeah. you? 
affected you guys in any manner? I think it. Uh, I think it actually helped us some, honestly. Uh, you know, and when we saw everything going down, um, actually, our, our festival director uh, Cynthia Charles, uh, she was actually the first to uh, to alert me to it. But um, it's 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 a lot that goes in to producing a festival, man. I mean, it's it's a lot of moving pieces, and I, I ain't gonna lie. The first year we did it. Um, shit, I would say the first five years we did it, we learned the hard way. Mm. You know, the first oh, five no. years, you know, even uh, when we first started doing the festival, speaking with uh, some of the people that, that helped create some of the larger festivals like Bonnaroo um, and Governor's Ball, uh, one of the first things they said is, if you can survive five years, you can probably break through. Oh, wow. Uh, it takes oh, yeah. about five years for a festival to really kind of break through and, um, and, and, and make money or see a little bit of daylight. And... Um, you know, you know, young brothers, you know, aggressive, you know, we had that. Fuck that. Yeah. We know what we're talking oh, no. about. We, <laughs> <laughs> we from the culture, motherfuckers. <laughs> the first, yo, listen, so our we, first year, uh huh, we had, it was in the, what, June, July? July. And it had to be like 100 degrees. And, we, <laughs> and it's in Atlanta. It was in the parking lot. Right. And shit started storming. Wow. In the middle of July. With no cover, so everybody getting mm-hmm. rained on. The 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 generators uh got got uh swamped so they got flooded. It was just like for like an hour we had to wait for another truck to come <laughs> with the generator. But shit, if that shit did discourage us, right? That should have uh, been it right there. Yeah. I would have been like, fuck <laughs> this festival shit. I'm going back it's to what lot. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot that goes into it. So, um. So, yeah, so, I mean, you got a lot of people that see the success of other festivals and think it's, uh, you know, about meeting celebrities and mm-hmm. and, and, and making a, a, a boatload of money. And it's it's really not, it's, you know, if it, if it wasn't the, the passion that we have for, for the music and the culture, the community, uh, yeah, we would have bailed years ago. I mean, it's mm-hmm. definitely not a, a get-quick, uh, get-rich-quick scheme to do a festival. So um, when we saw when we saw what went down, we was like, you know, my motherfuckers need to... Need to see like this shit is this shit is real. You got to plan mm-hmm. for it, especially those festivals that do camping and uh, and if it's like a, a a destination festival, then you know this this a it's you're not planning that in a year. Like you got to get the 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 government over there involved. You know what I'm saying? They did it on on a private island in the middle of the Bahamas. Right. You know, so you got to think about your resources and shit. Like you know, <laughs> you got security concerns. Yeah. So you yeah. Got- you had a lot of stuff that, that goes shit, into that it. That shit had a, a bigger effect on Ja Rule's career. Than <laughs> right. Oh, it <laughs> fucked him up. <laughs> it fucked ja Yeah, up. yeah. It got a lot of people. He got a lot of people out there suing him right now. Yeah, I mean, right. it's so just that. a lot of stuff that's going on when it when it comes to tra- why How did you two guys come together, and what were you doing before you decided to do this? What's, give me a little bit of your background, Jay. Um, My background, I've been doing events in Atlanta for – I guess it's been about 17 years now. Okay. Um, but I was in the corporate environment. Um, and I actually started doing events because it was a, a void in the type of events that I wanted to, to attend. Um, I'm originally from, from New York. Uh, so, you know, in New York, back in the 70s and 80s, you grew up listening to everything. I'm mean, mm-hmm. reggae, rock, uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, disco, soul, classics. And um, in the clubs, I was just more so seeing... Uh, a lot of clubs were were playing the same music you were listening to in the car. They were playing the clubs, which wasn't getting a, a diverse, uh, you know, exchange of, of music and, and people. Um, 
And I just saw that that was lacking. So I said, you know, there's got to be a bunch of folks out here that think like me and shit. Like, you know, they, they, they want more when they go out on a Friday or Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when we started uh, doing an event called Soul Fusion. So it was like all different kinds of DJs and people. Uh, the first event was like 15, 20 people. Oh, wow. And, you know, I, you know, but I wasn't doing it for money. So I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, I'm right. a corporate dude. This, this, is, this is what I want to do. This is the, the vibe and energy I wanted to, to create. And then um, I was saying about 12 months, uh, it was 1,000 people. Oh, wow. So we was like, oh, shit. Like, motherfuckers really get this. They understand it. Um, then from there, I opened up two clubs with uh, two of my partners, uh, uh, Richard Dunn and Freddie Lester, and actually Tom Cook and um, a guy named Josh Ananucci that runs uh, Center Stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened up two clubs in the underground called Sugar Hill and, um, and Motions. Sugar Hill was our live music venue. Uh, we had that for almost five years, and Motion was just straight-ahead club. So in one club, you could walk into any given Tuesday night and see John Legend just randomly walk up on stage and start performing, or Jill Scott. Shit, we had Bootsy Collins in there one night. Oh, wow. It was crazy. We had Gil Scott Heron was in there one night. Um, and then across the street at Motions, it'd be like Lil Wayne and, <laughs> and, and Rich Boy. And, right. Right. But... um. But that really kind of sealed the deal for me with regards to live music, you know, um, having Sugar Hill and also just kind of traveling uh, city to city to uh, to different festivals and just realizing there was not a festival that catered to the type of music that uh, that we listen to or the, the breadth of music more so, let's say. You know, if you go to Coachella, if you go to a Bonnaroo, you know, you got to sit through a lot of random access to finally get to Nas or to finally get to Kendrick. You've <laughs> been there for 17 you know hours. I'd be like, who the fuck is the Boot Chucks and the, and the Willoughby's? <laughs> right. But you, right. You know, but not saying they don't they don't have good music, but it's 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 not in my, it, you know, back in the day, it wasn't in my iPod, mm-hmm. right? So we wanted to create an, a festival environment for us, really, the progressive urban culture who who would rock with it in Mel LaRue, but in the same breath, I want to hear a little, I, you know, uh, I still want to hear maybe a Lil Wayne or, or, or right. Kendrick Lamar mm-hmm. or, you know, why can't I see uh, somebody like Scissor and and Nas share the same stage? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how we listen to music. You know what I'm saying? We don't just listen to one type of music. And so that was, that was the idea. How can we pull the culture, the communities, the subcultures together uh, in the brown community um, and what happens when you kind of create that 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 type of type of energy when you connect that, you know, that 18 year old kid with that 42 year old attorney and that that that, you know, that 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 that, you know, that uh, uh, Edgewood little five point energy with 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 the, the suburb folks, you know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just think powerful things happen when you just bring folks together. And that was the whole basis of, of, of One Music Fest. And you were originally from New York. What brought you to Atlanta in the first place? Uh, I was in high school when I moved. So, my, you know, I didn't really have much of a choice. I fought it as long as possible. Pops got a, <laughs> he got a promotion. And uh, he said, we packing Where, where you wagon. from in New York? Harlem. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Pops was like, all right, we out of here. Yeah. I got this new promotion. Right, we're yeah. going to the South. That must have been a hell of a culture shock. Bro. And it wasn't you. Atlanta. It was fucking Stone Mountain. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and we have. Yeah. No, no, no computers then. So I had to look up Stone Mountain encyclopedias and shit, and I saw the goddamn Confederates and the KKK <laughs> and that's farmland. The, that's where the clan started. I, I said, yeah. "Hell no, I'm going with Grandma. <laughs> this is some bullshit." <laughs> 
<laughs> and all these years later, you still here. Yeah, man. I and I honestly, I can't, I can't really go back. I'll go back for maybe like five to seven days, get charged up. Yeah, and then you're like, man, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> only been, in, I only been living in Atlanta for a year and a half, and I can only take four days back home. I'm like, yeah, I get fuck out of here, man. It's a different kind of. Living. It is. It's a different vibe. It's, it's not cluttered. It's mm-hmm. not. I don't feel like you know when I'm in New York now. I feel like why am I paying for this fucking toll and this yeah. bridge and this yeah. t- like I'm so used to floating around and yeah. five dollar valet parking and Thank you. you know sixty dollars to put your car in this lot for a half an hour. Right. Like fuck out of here! I'm not doing that stupid shit. I'm so done with it, man. I'm really, I'm really so done with it. Mo, tell me a little bit about about your background, man. How you got involved with this dude in, in one music fest? Well, um, I have a musical background. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, uh, DJing. I'm from Compton. So in between like Compton and this like city called Rialto, which is a place like the suburbs where everybody's parents got a job and they mm-hmm. moved them to the suburbs. So it's a bunch of badass kids from like <laughs> LA, Watts, Compton living right. in this area. So I was like, man, either, I'm either gonna gangbang or I'm gonna do something. Music was always my love, so I started DJing. And uh, my homeboy was a rapper, this dude named Paperboy. Okay, I know Paperboy. Yeah, Diddy. Yeah, Diddy. <laughs> so, uh, Pape, like, my, he was like, look, I, I want to put out this record. I was like, man, shit ain't going to work. We, we, we ain't got no money. So the cat that was like my big brother, he put the money up for Pape's record. Three million records later. So I'm on tour with that guy. And uh, as I'm on tour with him, my homeboy who put the money up, didn't want to go on the road as the manager. So he's like, you got to be the manager on the road too. So I'm like meeting everybody, you know, meeting all the managers, all the artists. And uh, I met um, Brian Turner. Okay. From uh, that uh, that ran Priority Records. And so, you know, him, me and him talking, he was like, you know, I like you. Won't you come work for me? And I'm like, man, I was just doing this DJ shit on the side. <laughs> right. I'm going to college. And he was like, look, man, you could come work for me for the summer, like internship, we'll pay you and we'll help you with college. I'm like, hell no. So he's like, look, we having a party tonight. Come by. I go by the party and he in there talking to Ice Cube. Right. <laughs> and uh, he was like, this motherfucker, told, he's telling Cube, this motherfucker told me he don't want to work. And I'm in awe because it's Cube. Right. He was like, man, you better go get that check from these white folks. I was like, shit, Cube told me to get this check. So I was like, fuck. I started working for Priority uh, doing street team. And since I knew all the DJs because I was DJing, he was like, why don't you start working mix show? So I started working mix show with him. And like two years later, he was like, look, man, I need you to go to Atlanta uh, because the person who was here in Atlanta, she was having surgery or something. He was like, just go cover it for two weeks. Now, as a joke, I'm telling all my folks, like, I ain't never coming back. I'm going to Atlanta. I had never been to Atlanta before. Only thing I knew about Atlanta was Freaknik. Right. So I was like, I'm going to Atlanta, but I ain't coming the, back. The reason a lot of us came down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Jack the Rapper right. Jack the Rapper was one of them, and Freak Nick was Freak. the other one. So I came out here. I came to Atlanta for two, it was supposed to be for two weeks, and I was in awe. Like, oh, shit, there's black people. They driving mm-hmm. Benzes. They got houses. I hadn't seen none of this before unless you was a, like, you know, unless you was a rapper or a, or a sports. So I was like, man, I want to stay. So they gave me an opportunity to stay. I ended up staying, um, working for Priority. Uh, later went to a company called J-Core. Okay, I remember yeah, J-Core. J-Ferris. And so I was working with Slum Village and 8-Ball and MJG. Um, so 9-11 hit. I'm on the road with uh, with 8-Ball and MJG. And uh, 
as a promo rep. I'm the I'm the national director of promotions there at the time. And uh, 9-11 hit, and it just fucked everything up for J-Corp because the owner had a lot of money tied in stock. So he was like, look, we shutting this shit down. So Ball and them was like, look, man, we like you. We see what you do on the road, and uh, why don't you come manage us? Me and uh, and they had a partner, do. You know, yeah, I think, yeah, Sean yeah. Do, Sean Do, Sean yeah. Do from Queens, New York. Yeah. That's my so dude. He, they was like, "But you got a partner with Do," and I was like, "Well, Do, cool, like let's do it." So we started a management company called Dumo Management, and uh, we we did uh, we did all we did the bad boy situation with A Ball and MJG, and then uh, start working with like Gucci and uh, uh, Bangladesh and a bunch of other people. But I still, A Ball has one of the greatest records that. Uh, um, that he did with uh, on the murder music oh, album yeah. from with him and Prodigy and and Havoc. It's mm-hmm. called Ain't Where You From Is Where You At. Yeah, fucking love that damn record right there, man. That shit. We had a we had a uh, a record called Slept On Classics, mm-hmm. and that was actually on there because they they did a bunch of records with people. Yeah, that just never came like never came out. Like they had that and Ball actually recorded a record like a like a full out record with it was him his face. Beanie Siegel, and then like E Forty was like in and out. Oh wow! Yeah, that's crazy. wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Just slept on classics. Yeah. I'm about to find that. You know what I'm saying? It ever, I actually I I send it to you. Okay, I appreciate. They it. don't even have copies of this shit. Like so, we're in the process of like recording and putting all that shit out. And um, so just the the whole management thing. And and I was like, you know what? I came from a promotion background, so I need to start doing promotions and stuff again. So we started like. A promotions company where we're doing radio and everything, and I just got tired of the management shit because, <laughs> like, to be honest, like they we had a situation. The Greg, like Greg Goose, I don't know if you remember, they had a song called "Stop Playing Games," uh-huh. and on the ball said, "Give me that Greg Goose and put that yak back." Mm-hmm. Greg Goose at the time wasn't really big within like blacks didn't know about Goose, right? But all of a sudden in the black community in like Midwest and the South, this shit starts selling out the wall. And they was like, how the hell did this happen? Doing their research, mm-hmm. it came back to us. And uh, they were like, we want to give y'all a situation. Nobody had a liquor deal at the time. So I was like, look, what y'all want to do? That's like, look, we give, we can do, we got two options. We give you like $500,000 and do a tour, or we can give you a percentage of Grey Goose and figure it out later. Nobody had a deal. She was like, let's take the money. I was like, I don't know, man. And I was talking to one of my homeboys who worked for a liquor brand. He was like, take the percentage. Right. I was like, ah. telling the guys, like, let's take the percentage. But the guys was like, they didn't see it. Uh-huh. So he was like, let's take the money. So he ended up taking the money. And like a year, half, two two years later, I said, <laughs> somebody sent me an email. It's like, you sitting at your desk? I'm like, yeah. It's like, look at the email I just sent. She said, Greg Uso for like $13 billion. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And you would have had a percentage of that? Oh, <laughs> no, I just clo- oh I my just, God. I remember just like closing my computer and shit. I, <laughs> this was like the next day I chirps out. So I'm chirping ball like, dog, we just missed out on on damn near billion. Yeah. He was like, oh, really? All right, let me hit you back. He didn't care. And I was hot. I right. was so hot like, I can't do this better shit no more because I want more. I see different shit. And, right. You know, so I end up leaving there and going to Interscope. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy. <laughs> because I was at one time I was a rep for Martel Cognac. Mm-hmm. They were trying to make their mark in the in the cognac world with with urban people because they were mostly mostly Japanese and Asian people drink Martel mm-hmm. Cognac. So Laurent Martel, uh, who's direct descendant of from the family, his father owned the brand and he brought us all in and my man Sincere Thompson and all of us was working for Martel. And we went to Cognac, France. I didn't even know Cognac, France existed. (laughs) So we went to Paris, and then we went to Cognac, France, and stayed in the uh, Martel mansion. And they gave us a class and showed us the direct correlation on rappers saying Hennessy and the Mm -hmm. rise in the sales of Hennessy. Mm -hmm. And and everybody was yelling, you know, Paco did the Hennessy, you know, and getting not a fucking dime for it. Right. Nothing. They were getting no money for saying Hennessy, and Hennessy is just going up and up and up and up and up. So what we wanted to do to counter Hennessy is we were trying to position Martel as the Chris Style, because Chris Style was popping then. Mm-hmm. We wanted to position Martel as the Chris Style of Cognacs. So like regular street dudes drink Hennessy, mm-hmm. but bigger, balling motherfuckers right. drink Martel. So mm-hmm. we had these stencils made up, and we were going to spray paint uh, fuck Hennessy all over, the, all over the on the sidewalks. You know this real hard street <laughs> right. promotion. Hennessy is rock gut bullshit. You ain't balling if you ain't drinking Martell Cordon Blue or whatever. And they wouldn't do it because I didn't know that there's a Hennessy family. Yes, oh, and there's man. a real family of people that own Hennessy last name Hennessy, right. and they all went to high school together. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to like. I was like, this shit is mind blowing. But it just goes back to what you're saying about people not seeing. You know, not seeing the future where eight ball of them could have been in on Grey Goose right, right. at that time. And Grey Goose, uh, with a small percentage, would have probably net them a billion dollars or something. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, they'd have been billionaires off of that shit. Yeah. And the shit is just, it's just kind of crazy. So I understand, you mm-hmm. know, your concerns and your frustration with, like, you know, enough of, is enough. Of, a lot of artists don't see it, dude. I, mm. I feel like you when you're in a position before... You do like we don't do enough research, and then we also don't know like our worth. For instance, mm-hmm. I don't know if, like if like if you knew, but growing up, dog, motherfucker, niggas in high school used to call me Ed Lover because I went <laughs> down. I had I had the curly top and I died in front of my shit. Like you know what I'm saying? Trying to be like Ed, like you see what all that dying shit did to my hair. Niggas <laughs> <laughs> was like, yo man, he got wow. the Ed Lover. So it was like. You would be amazed, like, we way over there, and motherfuckers yeah. is like, y'all gangbang, y'all got curls, but it was like, we wanted to be, we, we saw things, and, and we wanted to be like the people we saw, because mm. at the time, like, we, NWA was NWA. Right. right. They looked like all of us. We all looked like this shit, but to make it to, to, to be like New York. That's some different You know what shit, I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, New York was like the, it was motherfuckers who would be gone, they, to Louisiana or something for the summer and they would be come back and be like, I've been to New York all summer. Motherfuckers have like that <laughs> shit. Like, I swear to God. You know what I'm saying? They were like, you know, hey, like my boy, he actually would go to New York and bring back like Ron G tapes and we would just like record right. that Capri shit. Yeah. Tapes yeah. And those, yeah. So That's I, the original mixtape mixtape. Yeah, those are real mixtapes before. I started DJing and I mimicked my DJ style after hearing Ron because like, I didn't have a lot of like a lot of money to buy records, so I could buy like five or six new records. But moms and them had like all the old records. Uh-huh. So I was like, "Shit!" Mm-hmm. And I heard Ron mixing. I was like, "Oh shit, Ron mixing the old with a, a old yeah, uh, right. R and B record with a new hip hop yeah. instrumental." Yeah. The blend joints. Yeah, the blend no, joints. Yeah, it is. The, the <laughs> blend <laughs> joints was crazy. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, so that, I mean, just like knowing your worth and then, you know, just to, to bring it on to like where we have with One Music Fest, like for us to get together for One Music Fest, One Music Fest was this guy's like brainchild, birth child. Like, so, and he came and he was like, look, man, I'm about to do a festival. I was like, shit. And we were actually really close. Like, we're like the best of friends. So just for to support and do something is just natural because we just do everything else. Like, right. together, like I'm the godparent to his kids. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it was just like, it's a natural thing. And uh, so when he was like, yo, we doing one music fest. I ain't give him. I'm like, I never, it wasn't about no money. And then like, that's right. What we got to do. Yeah. How do we do it? How did, you, how, did, how did you start? What's the first thing that you did when once you guys said, we're going to do this? What's the first thing you had to do? The first hurdle? Yeah. I mean, it was it was like my first experience uh, learning how to swim. <laughs> you know, when, when when your big cousin threw your ass in the yeah, pool. Yeah, yeah. The way my to... father did all the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to swim, out. boy. And, that's, and honestly, um, that that's uh that's the tragic part of of the festival business. There's not a lot of folks that look like us that's in it. Oh yeah, for sure. So, and you know, I I, I truly believe in mentorship. Um, I truly believe in in being a bridge builder. Um, but it was hard finding someone that wanted to do or someone that has successfully done what we were looking to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really kind of had to learn to fly on our own. Um, so. Uh, you know, I did reach out to other festivals. I did reach out to the cats uh, that started Governor's Ball and created some type of, you know, conversation and allegiance with them and and uh, and some other festivals as well, just to try to just gather up as much information as possible. Because um, actually there was a festival probably maybe two, three years before we started our festival. Um, and the the guys that run Center Stage, and they did, um, they did it in the parking lot of Turner Field. Um, and it was pretty dope. I mean, they had, like everybody from Ludacris, I think, to Shaka Khan, and um, they lost they lost a boatload of money. Um, and those those guys I spoke with as well, and they was like, Jay, I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot of shit, man. It's a lot of moving pieces. Um, but you know what, man? I think um, I you know I think Motown and I both kind of share the mentality. I mean, if you build it. Uh, if you take care of your base, you take care of your consumer. And if it's coming from a righteous place, you know, because it was never a money grab. It was like, yo, our fucking community needs this shit. Man. Right. Uh, and then when we first did the first one, you know, it was like maybe twenty five hundred people showed up. Um, but it was all different types of people, man. And and, and the feedback we got from the folks was like, yo, this shit is dope. Y'all got to keep this thing going. Uh, and that was really the fuel. So it was really kind of just learning as we go, um, you know, because. You know, you you start losing sizable six figure checks every year. Mm-hmm. You know, you you really start questioning every fucking thing. And if, <laughs> and if you ain't questioning it, your 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 wife and significant other looking at you questioning it. So, but um, but I, I actually would say uh, my wife Amika, she actually um, when we lo- one year we lost a, a good amount of money, substantial amount of money, and uh, she's like, you can't stop though. Right. So you gotta keep going. You know, you can look at it one way or another. You can look at it as a loss or you can look at it as an investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, look at it as investing in your brand. Every year it keeps getting bigger and bigger and damn near doubling in size. Do you remember who you got the first year you guys did one music fest? you remember the lineup? Yeah. Common. Common, De La. De La Soul. Guapale. Guapale. Joy. Joy. Uh, We had like a go-go band on there. 
Uh, we had like this uh, mashup EDM. These, was these it Torch t- Souls? Nah, that was yeah two. We had these oh, yeah, yeah. DJs called Too Fresh. It's yeah. these two brothers that um, they kind of like this trap EDM shit that uh, we thought would bring out the younger white audience. We mm-hmm. kind of mix it up a little bit. So I mean, it was cool. It was cool. Again, about twenty five hundred. Uh, Mick Boogie was the DJ. Uh, who else came out? Then we had a bunch of like a bunch of people from <coughs> actually from Atlanta that was like up and coming too. Yeah, yeah. smaller artists. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What 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 do you think is the was the hardest part of that first year when you put it together? Was it the artist part or was it the getting the venue? Was it the sponsorship dollars? What was the hardest part? I think it's just the the logistics, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I I've done large events, um, but dealing with the city, you know, dealing with APD, dealing I need to have a medic on on site, you know, if you're selling food, you got to have a certain license. Um, you know, it, it's 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 you know, street closures. It's little things that you just don't even think about. Right. And then all of a sudden you start getting this bill. Yeah, I mean, this bill for 500 here, 800 here, 3000 here. It starts adding up. I mean, even the stage, you know, I had no idea how much a goddamn stage cost. So the stage we brought in, we had to actually get uh, driven in from, uh, I think it was like Alabama, um, because it was like on a a big tractor trailer. Uh, And that shit cost us $30,000. Jesus Christ. I said, for a goddamn stage, bro. (laughs) And uh, he said, yeah, man, you know, if you want want the lights. and, And then the stage is a direct. You know, a direct correlation between the stage and your artist's um, technical writer. Uh huh. So they need certain things on stage. That's how you know that that that's how they they that's what they need in order to perform. Um. So yeah. So think you know, bills started mounting up, and I was like, okay, well, we got to figure this thing out. I mean, it's too late to pull out now. Right. Um. So I would say just the logistics of it all, yeah. uh, and really trying to um, put our arms around the logistics and put together a playbook so next year we know exactly what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no is there, Mo. Do you handle the artists since you come from we that? Kinda, we kind of. It's like a think tank. So between mm-hmm. Jay, uh, Cynthia, Charles, uh, and I, and then we shoot it. You know, we basically it's in the office. It's a wall. Okay. And, and it's a we. Put a bunch of artists on the wall, and then we just be like, "Yeah." Then that they they move to the next round, and then when we start going over prices and mm-hmm. shit like that, yeah, oh yeah, well let's erase that because we can't, you know, we, we can't, can't afford, afford that. that. Can't afford, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and so like the difficult part, like for this year, for instance, now after mm. last, like like we've been doing it, but after last year and the whole. Dungeon family and all that, so people was like, "Yeah, them them deals y'all was getting." Nah, so now artists is like before it was like kind of work with us and shit. Uh huh. Oh no. Nah. Oh want wow. That, they want that festival price now. Oh jeez. <laughs> but yeah, but the other problem is um a lot of artists Doing want to tours. do their own tours, yeah. so they want to they want to build up hard ticket history, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're on a festival that has 30,000 some odd people, you know, and that festival sells out, you can't contribute those ticket sales yeah, yeah. to your to your number, your history. But when you do a show on your own at Tabernacle or at the Fox, you know what I'm saying, and you sell that out, all right, you just sold 2,500 tickets at the Tabernacle. You just sold 4,500 tickets at the Fox. You know what I'm saying? And these those 4,500 tickets went for, let's say, 80 some odd dollars. Mm-hmm. So you multiply your 80, well, this is what artists do, multiplying that 80 by 
by how many tickets they sold, and that's kind of your value now. Mm-hmm. So that's how they begin to start building up value. The more the more independent touring they're doing. So we ran into that a lot. A lot of artists were just like, you know, we want to do our own tour. Atlanta's a hot market. Uh, we'd rather just do our own show in Atlanta. Um, but I think, you know, I would definitely say this year is probably one of our most diverse lineups. Um, I'm mad excited about it. Uh, I mean, it was a, definitely, we pulled a rabbit out of the hat with uh, Yasin Bey, most deaf. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Is this, he's saying this is his last uh, yeah. official show or last tour? Well, you know, he's... You know, he's marketing, um, I guess, his last run as his farewell performance. Um, you know, uh, Yasin Bey has not been in Atlanta shit. I think he did something. He opened up for Dave Chappelle maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And then prior to that, I don't know, maybe another five, six years ago. So he doesn't get here often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, he's living in Europe. Um, and we really had to kind of convince him. You know, be like, bro, this is your audience, your family. How did that conversation? <laughs> yeah, nah, it was. Um, so we we tried many different ways to reach him, and he's he, you know he's a fucking unicorn. He's like hard to reach. <laughs> you don't know where he is in the world, right? Um, so we actually then found his attorney. And his attorney was dealing with all of his booking. So his booking people weren't dealing with it. He didn't really have a true manager. Uh, he kind of had this website, but it was redirected to, like, one of his homeboys. And I was like, bro, who, how do we get in contact with most stuff? Like, who the fuck is? And then this attorney popped up. And we started having the conversations. And um, and so he was kind of the, the, the middleman. And then um, Mo said, you know what? He started looking at some of the footage, some of the history of the festival. And he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Y'all, if y'all can deal with this travel package and fly me from Europe and my team from Europe to Atlanta, I'll do it. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that's a blessing, man. I'm a huge fan, uh-huh. you know, and I and I didn't I, I didn't think I was going to get a chance to see him again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a different shit just like last year. I mean, getting Dre. Shit. shit we get that motherfucker to like the last minute. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. He wasn't going to do it. Oh, the, wow. the day before was 50 <laughs> yeah. The day before is 50-50? Everybody, yeah. The, the entire Dungeon family was on board. You know, I mean, Dre would kind of sneak into the to the rehearsals and the, and the practices down at the studio. But um, but the entire team was very clear. Management was very clear. Look, it's, it's not a guarantee he's going to show up. Dre really is going to do what Dre wants to do. Um, you know, so if he decides to show up, because he's not – he doesn't want to really perform, you know, and, and I get it. I mean, shit, you've been in the music industry for a long time, and and it and it it could break and kill your spirit right. in some ways. Um, and he he you know he moves with emotion. So if 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 he's not feeling that energy, he's not going to do it. But um, they said you know he was looking at the camaraderie. He'd never seen the team together like this. The entire fucking Dungeon Family team. Right. You know what I'm saying? You had. Um, that was an God amazing damn, oh, performance shit, too. Man. Oh my God! We Wish Doctor was in, what came in from Iowa, and yeah, like everybody yeah. just—it was Voltron, man. Yeah. And, and he kind of just looked at it. and was like, man, this shit is beautiful. I got to be a part of it. Yeah. And that shit kind of happened today. Yeah, before. and it was yeah. one hell of a performance, bro. Yeah, oh my God, that was—that was one hell of a performance. But the highlight for me for last year was uh, my opportunity to introduce Buster Rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was funny because we walked over there around the time it was time, and that whole side was fucking empty. 
And I was like, do people know Buster Rhymes is going to perform over there? It was empty. So we were backstage. We were sitting on cases of water. and We're just sitting there. And Buster pulls up. And he gets out. And we greet each other. And we laugh. And then they go around. And the DJ starts checking the sound. And the guy comes around and says, who's introducing Buster? And I said, me. And I walked around that corner, walked up those stairs. And that shit was flooded. <laughs> and I was like, where the fuck did all of these people come from? And my producer, Krista, right here, who's only 30 years old, who I've been talking to her about true hip-hop and what's the meaning of destroying a fucking stage, mm-hmm. was standing right next to me uh-huh. while Busta Rhymes performed on that stage, and she was like, Killed oh, it. my Killed God. It. Like, yeah. she had never seen anybody control a crowd yeah. like that. Just rock hit after hit after hit and just do it with such passion mm-hmm. and energy. It was like everybody was going fucking crazy. And then for us to go from there over to see Ice Cube perform and then and then uh, ASAP Ferg perform, which mm-hmm. was great for me because I know his father. Oh, from really? Harlem, Big Ferg. That's what's up. He used to have a store in Harlem. Yeah. I knew ASAP since he was when he was born. And yeah. for me to see him on that stage of fulfilling his dream was special That's to crazy. me. And then the Dungeon family, oh my God. It was it was absolutely amazing. I had two of my friends here from New York. They had never seen a festival like mm-hmm. that. We don't we used to have Rock the Bells, right. Governor's Ball, mm-hmm. but just that energy and, mm-hmm. and you know, all of those people under one accord, there's no beef, it's no bullshit. Right. It's just one love for one music. It's just mm-hmm. people there just for music. It's no what you got on, who you right. are, do, are you popping bottles? Mm-hmm. You know, it ain't compound. And I don't mean yeah. no disrespect to Alex and, and what he's able to accomplish, but it ain't that kind of mm-hmm. shit. Like, who's behind the velvet rope? It's just like, hey, hey, what's happening? You see people you haven't seen in a long mm-hmm. time. You see motherfuckers, you ain't no living in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck you doing? <laughs> Exactly. Like one thing about like us, and we talked about it the other day. Is like what we kind of show pride in accomplishing because Atlanta is a segregated ass. Oh my god! Musically, Mm. musically, Atlanta segregated. Like yes, these motherfuckers ain't finna party with these people. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm listening to this, I don't want to be over here. Like so, I really had to learn that, (laughs) and it shit still bothers me. It bothers me a year and a half later. Like oh come on y'all. Like when you're from <laughs> right. New York, you don't give a fuck. If yeah. the shit is popping, we going to it. Right. It don't mm-hmm. matter where the fuck it is in New York. Mm-hmm. It don't matter how far it is. It could be in fucking Philly. It could be in Connecticut. We going. It right. could be you walk into a spot in New York that's popping and like give you a classic example. Right at the beginning of One Oak, when One Oak just started yeah. popping in New York before mm-hmm. it became this celebrity driven shit. Mm-hmm. White people, black people, models, bankers, thugs, uh, teachers, everybody rocking together under Warner Quarters that we love the fucking music. Yeah, right. That's all it was about. Yeah, yeah. And here it's like uh, white people were like, oh, it's black people, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand that. Black night. Black night. Can't do it yeah. on black night. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? It's like, it's fucking retarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. when you guys do your thing and it's to see people from all walks of life just come together under the guise that they just fucking love music, <laughs> right. right? It's a beautiful thing. And it's, right. and it's tough. Atlanta's a tough really, market. It is. It's clickish. Yes. It's mm-hmm. it's a real tough fucking market. It's a um you know, I think a lot of people in Atlanta, it's kinda like this ownership of space almost. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh we we run into that with one music fest. I mean, we got some of your folks that's been running, rolling with us since since day one and they feel like it's their shit. So when you do put somebody like a ASAP Rocky or ASAP Ferg or Migos on, they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what the fuck you mean what we doing? It's still hip-hop. It's still music. It's still of the culture. You know what I'm saying? So what happens if you bring out a 
you know, a, a, a slew of true ASAP Rocky fans, right, who never had the opportunity to, to be introduced to, to a Nas performance or to right. a Lauryn Hill performance. You know what I'm saying? You're bridging the fucking gap. You know what I'm saying? Get off your horse and, 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 and unite, like, connect with your folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, and don't get it twisted now. Like, when we was growing up, yeah, we was listening to motherfucking Two Live Crew and, 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 NWA, right, and, and and turning up to and to, too short, too short. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so and Ray Charles, exactly. Ray Charles is being right. played in the crib, right, and right. James Brown, yeah, and, and SOS, yeah, band and Ella Fitzgerald and, you know and SOS band. Oh, absolutely. Like, so you know, it's the whole gamut. So so, you know, a lot of people complain about the millennials this and millennials that. But uh, but honestly, I think it's the Gen X that's really kind of fucking it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> We're not opening up our minds. Nah, yeah. man. I always tell them, let them have their shit, man. Yeah. We had yeah. our shit. Right. When our shit was popping, my father was like, that shit is bullshit. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? What's that biggity bit, bit, bit bullshit? My pops shit. couldn't stand hip-hop. Like, that shit is garbage. You rhyming. That ain't rhyming. That ain't that. My father was like, that's not music. And then we got shit from one of the... You know, I was a trumpet player coming up. And then when I heard Wynton Marsalis shit on hip hop, right. I was so disappointed. I was like, yo, why they shitting on this music? Like, we were, you know, we weren't even, our first Grammy wasn't even on television. Like, they mm. shitting on mm. us. And then we turn around and get older and shit on them. Right. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, we got to mm. let them have their, whoever the fuck they liked. Mm. It don't have to be for you. Right. It ain't supposed to be for you. It's a festival. There's other stages. Yeah, you can move around. Right. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to stay there. Mm-hmm. You can move around. You go get you something to eat. If you don't like ASAP Ferg, you may, you might not have really heard ASAP Ferg. Right. You, did you take the time to listen or mm-hmm. you just boxed them in the same way our parents used to box our shit in? Right. And I tell them that all the time. Check them out. Every record that comes out from Migos or, or Kodak Black or Gucci or whatever, that don't have to be for you. Right. Pick the one you like. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to fucking listen to the rest of the album, don't listen to the rest of the right. album. But don't shit on the entire culture mm-hmm. because you don't, you don't. It's not your music. It's it's a youth driven music. No doubt. So let them have their shit and run around listening to Ed Lover Show. You want to hear some throwbacks? Goddamn it! Because we got them on deck for you. Thank you. But sometimes <laughs> the motherfuckers be like closet. I'm like I don't like Lil Uzi. But then when that shit come on in the club, they be like, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You just said you ain't like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm listening to the beat. Fuck out of here. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you right. like it. I don't mean so, you got to be a, you got to wear yeah. a little Uzi t-shirt, but <laughs> right. you shitting on all of it. Like, you can't shit on all of something because everybody's shitting on us. Right. You know, them, them bands and back in the days and Cameo and, and all those guys mm. that I admired, they didn't want to take hip-hop on the road with them. Mm-hmm. And they was getting their ass broke by the hip-hop acts. They put Run DMC on before them, and all the kids would run to see Run DMC, and then they break out when Cameo right. and them came on. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because that's what that was the youth movement, the youth culture, man. When you guys are doing one music fest, man, and you're getting all of these acts together, you got to put a lineup together. Do you ever right. get arguments mm-hmm. from the artists like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm not going on at that time. Fuck out of here. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's the industry. So you got, you got a lot of personalities, a lot of, lot of divaness that, that, that happens. Um, I don't want to be on this stage or how you going to put this person's name ahead of my name. And, oh, man. Um, but you know what, man? You know, our lineup is not – it's not – it's not thirty different artists, so you may have fifteen artists, and 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 more times than not, they 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 get it. We'll be like, "Come on, man, you really sold more albums than this brother right here." Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Back down for, a yeah, bit. come on, chill out a little bit. Um, 
so nah, we we, we don't run into that. Man, you a smart one. You yeah. a smart one when you put Buster rounds, boy. Because I don't know nobody want going after Buster. Buster's a fucking monster. Who went, man. Oh, but Erica, Buster, Erica, went Erica on. though, yeah, that's yeah, probably that's, the, only that's the only one, one. that could. Yeah, Erica. you know, and Buster's I gotta, a fucking I gotta monster. send you the video, and we got some photos with you and Buster on, okay. on stage, and I gotta send you the video. Looks nuts. Yeah, it like, was he crazy. Killed it. Yeah, yeah it Buster was, top five hip hop performers. Performer. Like, Absolutely, Buster and he knows Kane. Yeah, I think Buster Kane, Kanye. Dougie Fresh, man. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Dougie I mean, Fresh is a fucking right. monster, man. Yeah. Dougie is <laughs> is number one. Yeah. Although, although I was so hot, I don't know if you saw the fucking McGregor uh, when he performed at the McGregor Floyd uh, press conference. No, I didn't know shit. he performed yeah. in Brooklyn. Oh man, that shit that shit hurt me. Wow. This motherfucker was just like, oh, they didn't know what it was. And Doug was giving it to him. They was like, <laughs> wow. Like, uh, the world's greatest entertainer, Dougie Fresh. Dougie Come on, Fresh. man. Fresh in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, where well, those boxing people. Yeah, I was about to say those are bo- that's a boxing. Who's yeah, I was like, I was like, damn, that that let me know Brooklyn ain't the same. Fucking Brooklyn, I've been to MMA heads. MMA heads probably was like, who is that? They they don't they don't. But I yeah, I've never I've never seen like Doug not leave it up there. I was like, yo, Doug. Leaves it all on the all table the, every the single time. You got Miss Jill Scott this year. Yeah, man. How the hell you pull that off? That's a blessing, too. Um, <laughs> it's my Jill, girl right there. Yeah, she's beautiful. I mean, and honestly, she's, um, as far as like a ticket seller, she's probably one of the biggest ticket sellers in Atlanta. I mean, she comes to Chastain, you know, every year, every other year, and just sells it out, man. She has diehard fans. We were fighting to get her for years, um, but it just... But Live Nation would scoop her up and have a show with her, be it at Chastain or, or somewhere else, and we just couldn't get in market. Um, so we said, fuck it. We're going straight to Sean G, right, mm-hmm. and uh, her manager. And uh, Sean said, yeah, 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 yeah. No, nah, that would be a great look. Well, let's, let's do that instead of doing, like, Chastain or something. Uh, then he passed it over to her, and she uh, she said, yeah, yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. that is an absolute yeah. good look. Yeah. She'll mm-hmm. bring them out, boy. Yes, yeah, she do. She bring Young, them out. Old, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> don't, tall, matter. don't matter. And, and the women. Thank you. What? You tell a woman Jill Scott gonna be somewhere, they don't give a damn if they gotta walk on fire to get over that motherfucker. They, they coming. Jill. They love, they love Jill. How do you guys like you was telling me that you put up a board and you decide, like, okay, at the top of the year. So this is this you're thinking while one Music Fest 2016 is going on. You're already working on 2017. Mm-hmm. You have to, yep. Hell yeah. What mm-hmm. is your day like of the actual festival? What time <sighs> do you get up? What time do you go to bed? I mean, we try to do as much as possible the day before. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So you just kind of roll in there. Everything's kind of in place. Your team's showing up at 8. Um, but, yeah, the day the day of, you know, it's uh, – it's it's actually pretty smooth. I, I'm not even gonna lie. It's pretty smooth because everybody's kind of no, looking right. Mo Mo like yeah, fuck out of here. It is it's smooth for him. Cause look, hey, let me tell you, Mo don't show up to noon. That's the guy. I'm there eight. Mo show Listen, with toothpicks and like, slippers on. Nah, and shit. I show up at eight. The day of one music fest is like finding Nemo trying to find this motherfucker. Like he be <laughs> everywhere. Like you be like you be on the radio like. Anybody see Jay? Jay, oh, come in. Jay, Jay, you come turn in. Turn the radio off, Jay. Yeah. Come on, man. So then I, you got somebody. You got to actually send somebody around the whole festival grounds to find him and bring him back. But you know what I learned, man? What? Because the first time I ever did 
a live event, I almost had a fucking nervous breakdown. <laughs> Cause I, I, not, not, and this was before One Music yeah. Fest, because I tried to manage everything myself. Uh-huh. And I said, you know what? That ain't the way to work, man. I mean, there's people that's good at what they do. Let them do what they're supposed to do. Let them do their job. If they're getting paid to do a job, I shouldn't have to hold your hand. I shouldn't have to come behind you to make sure it's done. If you're getting a check to do this shit, that shit needs to be done. Right. So that was the mindset. You know what I'm saying? If we got a staff now and people kind of rolling, we got kind of like a co-pro agreement with Live Nation, there's people on point that can manage, you know, that can put out fires. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I don't have to run my ass crazy trying right. to trying to I juggle a thousand that. balls. You ain't so, got to turn off your walkie-talkie. Yeah, I turned yeah, off that, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I turned that motherfucker. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> said, hey, man, we out of lettuce in the goddamn green room. Nick, what? Lettuce. <laughs> fuck <laughs> you want me to do? Go to the store? Like, I'm not, not going to the fucking store. Call me, on. Hey. call me about this bullshit. Hey, that sounds yeah. crazy, man. We about 15 behind on the second stage and, 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 and Buster wants some soft towels. Right. I got to figure that out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's 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 yeah. So I think you um you you learn how to delegate, man. I think you, you don't know. have to say the artist, but what's the weirdest shit an artist has ever asked you for? The weirdest shit. Just something outrageous that you could think of, like motherfucker, I'm paying you buy the shit yourself. Who uh, asked for some crazy shit? Your boy didn't ask for a birthday cake that year, did he? In the management. Who? Say the name. Say the name. Illmatic. Who? Oh, nah. Did he? Maybe. Maybe. Asked for a birthday cake? (laughs) That was his birthday. birthday. I ain't mad at that. It was like his 40th. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So why why didn't want you to buy the fucking cake, though? Like, we we singing happy birthday up there and shit like that. We're going to do something special for most. He asked for a couple of things. Because I mean, it's his farewell thing. So right. you know, he he does something special on stage. I, I can't say what it is, but okay, uh, it's not weird. But but I get it. You know, if it's if it's a farewell show, you should have these certain elements on stage. Okay. So um, so he asked for some 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 stuff. Uh, Did he say why it's his farewell? Uh, what we're getting? I is, mean, Jay Z gave us a farewell a couple of years ago. It came I'm back. I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> oh my God! I'm so. I remember that last show in the right. garden. They raised the jersey with his name on the yeah. back, and then he did the fucking last song. He's like goodbye, goodbye, and I shed a tear. Like yo, that's gonna be the last time I'll see Jay Z perform. Year later, then and then I'm back. <laughs> what the motherfucker? I just paid three hundred dollars to see you. Fucking talk about you back. Yeah, we stay away. We, who the uh, Jay Z short and somebody else retired. And all the motherfuckers. Well, short back. said that shit. Said show was like, look here, man. This fucking whistle song will not go the fuck away. You know what <laughs> what I mean? So blow right. the whistle. You know what I'm saying? It's a song that won't die. Right. So yeah, he is. His, his career keeps kind of. Uh, resurfacing that's a dumb classic that's why when you got a dumb classic like that of course it's not gonna go away man absolutely but why did most say most so most is uh he wants to explore i mean it's not like he hasn't explored other areas of art but um what what i'm hearing is that he does want to get more into to acting and fashion oh he's so good at it too he is yeah Yeah, he's so he's so very good at it tell Mm -hmm. everybody when one music fest is so they know we are sat uh, well Friday, September eighth. We're at Tabernacle and at Tabernacle. That's our kickoff event, and that's going to be with Thundercat, JID, Ari Lennox, and No Name. 
uh, and Saturday we're at uh, Lakewood Amphitheater. Yeah, September 9th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. September 9th, and mm-hmm. we we will be there, man. Thanks for giving us the insight, gentlemen. Thank you for coming in today, no man. Doubt, man. Thank you. And, and I'll you. see you out there in, the, in, in at one music festival. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably have a beer in my hand and a, and a turkey wing or some shit, <laughs> but I'll definitely up. be yeah. out. Let's turn up, man. You guys, make sure you check out One Music Festival. It is absolutely phenomenal. I don't care where you live at. If you're making a trip to Atlanta, make it September 8th or September 9th because you're going to have a absolute. Oh, we didn't tell them how they could get tickets. Tickets. www.onemusicfest.com. Yeah, that's important, right? Mm -hmm. We forgot that part. That's important. Y'all keep God first. Everything else will fall into place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about your ass on the next podcast. (laughs) This is Ed Lover. This is, come on, son, the podcast. Now get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. (laughs) Peace. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.